0: Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by Relola. The Relola app helps agents leverage their local expertise. Create a beautiful interactive map of everything you love about your community, from businesses to listings to local features. Share it on Facebook and your website. And it's free for all realtors in 2018. Learn more at relola.com.
1: We use the camera in a different way, and it's to communicate. And that's, I believe, what consumer behavior is being trained for right now just like we've all been trained for amazon you know all of us want it quick we want to push a button and that's what we want and just like cameras people are going to start expecting to see people on video and i would imagine in a few years if people can't find videos about you they're going to start wondering why not almost like we do now with oh you don't have a facebook account that's weird welcome to the real estate sessions podcast where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi
0: everybody, welcome back to the Real Estate Sessions podcast for episode 131. We're moving along. Uh, We're headed towards three years this summer. It's exciting and thank you for For joining us and for telling a friend, it's how we continue to grow. I really appreciate it. I can't tell you how excited I am for today's guest. I get to go back to Arizona with somebody that I've known for quite a while. And a lot of people that listen to this podcast know this guest too. It's Chelsea Pites. Uh, Chelsea, I knew Chelsea when she was a Fidelity national title. She's now kind of going out and doing some things on her own. She's evolved through this this world of of video and and social media. And we're going to talk a lot about that uh chelsea welcome to the podcast
1: oh thank you so much for having me bill i'm a fan of the podcast and a fan of you and i'm just excited i feel like i'm talking to one of my old friends
0: excellent that's these are really easy interviews this will be fun so yeah exactly yeah. so i i know you've been in uh arizona scottsdale uh, a long time uh, are you a, are you one of those rare native arizonans that i've heard about
1: I am not a native, which, you know, living in Arizona, who is these days, right? right. Um, no, I actually grew up in Southern California. So I spent my my youth in the, in the desert, in another desert, in the Palm Springs, Palm Desert area. So uh, not too far off temperature-wise from Phoenix.
0: My first thought when you say Palm Springs is this. I, I played a lot of golf up there because I grew up in San Diego. We would make trips up to Palm Springs to play golf. But I, I always thought of it more as like a retirement community. So what was it like you know, being a, a youngster in Palm Springs?
1: It was like being a youngster in a retirement community. Now, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I get it. Know, it. It was very different from what I'm told what it is now. You know, you see all these people kind of having their destinations. Maybe it's a bridal shower or a wonderful little vacation that people are going to. And and it was a kind of a small town back in the day. There were some people that were celebrities and there was a different style or type of celebrity era that would be living in the Palm Springs. So you'd see a lot of, you know, kind of well-known folks, lots of golf courses, uh, but it was, it was pretty small. And uh, from what I'm told, I, I haven't really been back. I kind of left and and never looked back. And I do need to make it back there one day. It probably looks quite a bit different, but uh, I hear it's a lovely place to visit now.
0: Yeah, just just four short hours away across a, a major expanse of nothingness. It's, you're real close.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and then there's more nothingness around Palm Springs, except there's a lot of palm trees. So you definitely know when you've entered and when you've exited. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was going to say, the one thing I always think of Palm Springs is wind. You can get some serious yes. wind blowing through that that part of the desert, so that, I'm sure those dust storms were a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, tumbleweeds.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go, there you go. So, so you come to Arizona. Um, I know that I'm a fellow sun devil. You're a sun devil, so I, I always love seeing that. Um, you did uh, your your time at ASU, and I, th- looking back at your history, you were your degrees in clinical psychology, so. I'm just guessing that knowing how kind of wacky (laughs) the real estate space can be, were you already preparing in advance for real estate or was something else on your radar?
1: (laughs) You know, it's a funny story. Um, You know, getting to Arizona, the reason that I I transferred from California to Arizona was so that I could go to school here. Um, Funny story about that is I went to private Catholic school my whole life. And uh, once you graduated eighth grade in Palm Springs, there really wasn't anywhere to go. So I actually was on track to become a nun. Shocking. I know. (laughs) I know. Things you never knew about me, Bill. And so the nuns uh, at my school in Palm Springs were of the same order of nuns at a local high school here. And so I moved out here to go to that high school. And uh, I actually graduated early. I went to uh, ASU when I was, I think, 16 or 17, graduated when I was 20. So my experience at ASU was very different than most people's. Um, I didn't go out anywhere. I didn't live on campus. It was totally different, which I do actually regret. Um, So I I kind of got out and, and started working. But, you know, the funny thing about my degree is that I really wanted to be like those serial serial killer profilers, right? I wanted to be one of those people that you see in the TV shows and the movies. And then I started really realizing I was pretty sensitive. And I thought, well, geez, I can't do that because that's just, I don't know if I could handle that kind of thing. And then I thought, well I'll be a therapist. And then I realized it's probably not a good idea for a therapist to be crying in every session with their (laughs) clients. And I'm super sensitive. So um, I I didn't end up going into that profession, but it did serve me well in sales and marketing and and understanding how to work with people and perspectives, trying to put myself in other people's shoes. So certainly it it has come in handy.
0: I'm just going to guess Xavier then for high school.
1: Yes, yes, I went to Xavier, and if there's any Phoenix listeners, XCP go Gators. You know, (laughs) you know it.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. The Brophy Xavier connection. There are a lot of there are a lot of people that I know that uh, attended one of those two schools. You know, the boys or the girls.
1: Well, let me tell you, our son is five years old. That is not even in kindergarten, and we are getting him on a list to go to Brophy. Like that's how serious. Like the people who went there. I mean, you got to get on you got to get in early. So yeah, it, it's pretty awesome. I loved high school. It was a great experience. And um, people who are here local, they know what a great opportunity it is to be able to go to an incredible school. And now there's a few more out here that didn't exist back in the old days when I went. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's awesome to be able to have had parents that, you know, really thought about how can we provide this type of education for for our kids. So that was awesome.
0: So you graduate from ASU. What'd you do right away? What was your first job out of school? Now you're only. 20, I was actually so.
1: working while I went to college. So okay. I had an apartment and I was working, and um, I happened to be working in the fitness industry. There was a big gym right across from campus, and so I was doing personal training and uh, working there at the gym, and so I. Thought, Oh, my gosh, I want to work. I want to have a job. I think a lot of people out of college, at least when I graduated, were like, oh, so excited to be working. And now I'm thinking, man, I should have spent more time in school um, because I'm going to be working for the rest of my life. But uh, I was working in a gym and uh, that gym uh, actually was going under. And I got another job as operations and administration at a gym. And that's where I ended up meeting Brian, my husband.
0: Right. So Brian uh, Brian Pites, who will soon be a guest on the podcast as well, I'm sure. He, he is uh, with Chicago Title in Phoenix. You were at, uh, when I met you, were working with the sister company, Fidelity National Title in Phoenix. Uh-huh. And, and so you met, uh, I, and obviously you're both very much into fitness. It's obvious that anyone that's met you knows that. And that's how you meet. Was he already in the real estate industry at this time?
1: No. So our story is very interesting. Um, We have actually worked either together in the same company or industry our entire history of knowing each other. So we've always worked in the same industry or we've been in actually the same company. And so when I met Brian, he was the weekend sales manager and I was doing all of the admin and operations and the accounting And uh, that was at the gym. So we met at the gym and uh, we actually went out of state. We were, we were, we got jobs as fixers, people who would take bankrupt gyms and go and fix them and build them up and, you know, hire staff. And it was really great. We were in our young twenties. We didn't know anything. We didn't know any better. And it was amazing. Um, And we learned a big lesson because we moved everything out of state. And the person that I trusted that was a mentor of mine, uh, ended up embezzling all of the money. And I found out about it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he took five people's salaries for an entire year, all their mortgage uh, payments, and we had nothing. So I literally opened the doors of the rented house that we couldn't afford because we didn't have any money and sold everything. And to this day, I still remember selling my KitchenAid mixer. Any woman who has ever had a KitchenAid mixer literally just grasped their, like clutched their chest and went, (gasps) I sold it for $50. Oh my gosh, it was awful. And I I refused to buy one again. I mean, because it's such a symbol of that time when we lost everything. Now we were super young. So we came back to Arizona and moved in with Brian's mom in a really small house. We didn't know what we were going to do, and Brian thought, well, I'll just get my real estate license while we're figuring it out. And I said, okay, I'll get mine too. We never planned to go into real estate, and here we are 16 years later in that same industry.
0: Did you and Brian together then hang your license with Arizona Best right away? Is that where you started your...
1: No, we actually um, sent resumes to every single new home builder in the state of, of Arizona, and I got one interview, and he got one interview, and we both landed those jobs. And he ended up working for KB Home and ended up being a regional sales manager for them. I worked for at the time it was Continental Homes, now it's DR Horton. And uh, so we both worked again, same industry, but different companies. And uh, then I went into residential resale and did that for quite a, a long time. Brian opened up a business and then he went into residential resale. So never at the same place at the same time. But uh, yeah, we were both we were both licensed agents for a number of years.
0: And that's right in the the, the heyday of the. This is back when there were lotteries to get lots, right? Um, yes, in the new there
1: were. Oh my gosh! I think my record in one day was thirteen contracts. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think for, for people that um, are around the country, you know, Phoenix, and there were other places just like Phoenix. Vegas comes to mind, you know, quickly. But Yeah, it was, You, you people would line up for days uh, just to get their name on a list to hopefully be chosen <laughs> for like the yes. three, three lots that were released that day. You know, so they.
1: Exactly. It yeah, it was very, very, very out of the ordinary. And it was not a good thing. I mean, obviously, by by the big burst, it was really terrible.
0: Yeah, we found out. So you eventually, um, both Brian and you end up uh, heading into, we'll call it the corporate world, right? When I say that, I mean, you know, a Fortune 500 company with the Fidelity National Financial family. So let's talk about that decision. Um, how How did we get to this point? And I think at this point, is Mason in the scene? Maybe not quite. He's close.
1: No, no, yeah, <laughs> he he wasn't he wasn't here yet. Okay. Um, I as a residential real estate agent who, you know, had gone through really great years, I started to go through the really bad years. And um, it, again, Brian and I lost everything a second time. We lost our personal residences, we lost our investment properties. Um, we were both in the real estate world at a time when everything came crashing down. And so for the second time in our lives, we moved in with Brian's mom (laughs) and uh, yeah. So I said, gosh, I don't really think that I can go to work every day and sit across kitchen tables with families who are losing their home and crying. And it's just so devastating. And that's what it was like for us and even Florida and Vegas I mean, families were losing their homes every single day. And it was really, really depressing. And so I um, ended up going on an interview with Fidelity. And honestly, I don't even remember how I ended up there. And I got the opportunity to become their marketing director. And it was, it was amazing. It's probably the best thing that I best decision I ever made. And it really helped me learn so much and i still got to work in the industry that i loved so much with with real estate agents and and doing that so it was it was perfect
0: this is around 2010 right yes so social media you know exploded for us maybe we'll call it 08 so as an agent you were already probably playing with those tools kind of understood a little bit about it but but in your new role with fidelity what was that was there was there like an aha moment where you're like wow this is Really important stuff, or did you have to focus more on the more traditional marketing stuff? I'm always curious about people that were that that transition where we went from postcards to posts, right?
1: Right. Well, you know, I think our particular industry of real estate, in many cases, is a few years behind some other industries, and that's I think that you'd probably agree with that. I don't think it's it's per se regional. I just think it's maybe the nature of our of our industry and some others. Um, so I still think that really this sort of like renaissance awakening of people realizing, hey, I need to go digital, I need to be on social media, really didn't even happen probably until I would say 2013, 2015. And when you're working for a corporate company, um, there's a lot of levels and layers and, you know, really uh, creating beta tests and pilot programs to say, hey, this is what's working let's try this. So um, I would say we focused a lot more on some of the traditional methods. And then at the latter half of my tenure with them, it became much more focused on the digital presence piece and building your brand through social media.
0: You've really built a personal brand that's been super fun to watch grow over the years. And um, I really love the fact that you're so open and honest about your life. Uh, and I know that that's something you, you know, you would encourage others to do. But there's a lot of people that struggle with that. They're they you, you've heard it a million times. I know you have. Like, oh, I'm just too private, or oh, I can never do what you do. What do you say to those people when you're having that conversation with somebody that you know needs to be, you know, really kind of sharing that kind of stuff? How do you how do you convince them?
1: Well, there's there's two ways I go about it. One. I'm very honest about, you know, you hear this marketing speak about being authentic and telling a story. You know what? It's really hard to start doing that if you've never done it before. So that's kind of the one piece of it is, is the practice and consistency. And as you do more of it, you become more relaxed. You become more who you are, but it's, you're not going to turn on the camera or look at your phone and be exactly who you are. For the majority of us. So that's one piece of it. The other piece is that, um, you know, people tell me all the time, I couldn't do what you do. I I have a boring life. Uh, I hate being in front of the camera. I hate my voice. Well, so did I, I didn't watch anything back for an entire year, which frankly, I could have gotten a lot better, a lot quicker, but I also knew myself. And I knew that I would stop if I watched myself back. So that's it's, it's, a, it's a very normal fear. You know, we're always the people that look at ourselves and pick ourselves apart. The other thing is that when you're, when you're on camera or you're sharing your life, you don't have to share everything. Uh, I've really opened up a lot of my life, but there are certainly pieces of it that I don't share. And that's a completely personal decision. You may not want to share your kids. You may not want to share certain moments. And of course, I believe that there's a lot of oversharing that happens. I don't need to see everything that someone's doing in their life. But like someone said to me in 2007, they said, are you going to go buy one of those new iPhones? And I laughed and looked them in the face and said, why? My flip phone makes great calls. And now I can't imagine my life without an iPhone. So I think it's more of a mindset shift that we have to remember. We didn't have Amazon a few years ago. We didn't have iPhones 10 years ago, but that doesn't mean that we haven't had shifts and now it's very commonplace, just like being on the camera and communicating screen to screen is going to become, in my opinion, commonplace.
0: I I can't interview you without talking about Snapchat. And the Snap Pack. I think that, uh, <laughs> yeah. now, you know, Jason's been on the show and Dustin's been on the show. I got to get Bucky on here. Uh, and, you know, who else? Um, Neil. Janet. Shannon. Sure, yeah. Neil, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, talk about how important that has been in, in kind of where your path has gone. How how Just kind of how that started things rolling.
1: Yeah. So the Snap Pack started out as five people on Snapchat talking and we tended up talking so much that we one day decided to meet. And yes, that sounds weird. I still think that's weird. (laughs) I am an almost 40 year old woman who did not grow up with social media. My son will not think it's weird, but I think it's totally bizarre and a little unsafe to think, hey, I'm going to go travel and meet some people that I've never met before, except on Snapchat. Um, But, you know, we're kind of in a different world now and uh, you know, you get to know people in just different ways. And so we decided that we were going to start doing a lot of things together. And quite frankly, it it grew uh, on its own, this group, this Facebook group. And then we had some conferences where we all came together and we shared everything with each other. And we just thought, you know, we're tired of going to conferences that don't give the actual goods, or, you know, oh, you got to sign up and pay for this. And then you can find out how to do it. We're, we're just practitioners, like, actually doing it. And we're sharing everything we learn. And, you know, another thing that was really great is they became my not only my friends and family, but they came my uh, cheerleaders, you know, when I said, hey, I think I want to write a book. They're like, yes, do it. Stay on track. Don't give up. When I told them, hey, I'm thinking about launching my own company. They're like, brilliant, do it. You have to. And I call them all the time. And I'm like, just, I feel like giving up. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, had, a, I had a day yesterday. And um, they became really my my community of support.
0: Let's let's talk about the book. It was last year, maybe a year and a half ago. My
1: yeah, last year, I, last year. I announced it in February. I said, last February, I'm going to write a book.
0: Yeah. That's right. You, you made a, you, you put it out there for accountability was like thousands of people. Yes. Yes. So you wrote a book called talking in pictures and, and you have been promoting for a few years now, this camera first vision. Right. And, and I think the book was kind of through the Snapchat lens, but now with the way Facebook and Instagram live have just kind of exploded on the scene, you're really just talking about picking up that phone and looking at it and using that to, to build relationships. Right.
1: Exactly. Um, The book isn't as much about using Snapchat. I mean, there is a lot of that in there, but it's really about how Snapchat was this catalyst. It was the first time we ever had this real-time visual communication that was with us all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was different than the other platforms because people were just being real because it was more private. And, you know, behaviors got trained and uh, people started to accept the non edited, you know, not the amazing YouTube with the intros and the outros, it was just people talking. And it was kind of like this new version of reality TV when reality TV was actually real. And um, the cool part about it was that not only could I watch this reality TV, I could actually talk to the people while they were telling their story. And so that's why Snapchat was so important. It could go away tomorrow. The the important part of it is that now we, we use the camera in a different way and it's to communicate. And that's, I believe, what consumer behavior is being trained for right now. Just like we've all been trained for Amazon. You know, all of us want it quick. We want to push a button and that's what we want. And just like cameras, people are going to start expecting to see people on video. And I would imagine in a few years, if people can't find videos about you, they're going to start wondering, why not? Almost like we do now with, oh, you don't have a Facebook account? That's weird. You know, we didn't think that 10 years ago. It wasn't that weird. But now we wonder, well, what are they hiding? Is there something wrong? Like what's wrong with them? They're not on social media, right? Which is kind of an odd thing for people in our generation to wrap their head around because we didn't grow up with that. So um, it really is more about the camera in general and how we're communicating with one another through it, than specifically Snapchat. But it is thanks to Snapchat that we have Facebook Live and Instagram Stories, which I love, by the way, both of those things.
0: And it seems like Snapchat's uh, going through a little bit of a change. I know you've been keeping everybody up to date on those, the recent changes. I, think, I love the phrase you use, discoverability, right? That Snapchat's not gonna be as private as it used to be, as it used to be, is that a safe thing to say?
1: It is, yeah, they're, they're you know, they they have to improve a little bit. You know, they they're public now, so they've got to turn a profit. So there is sort of that discoverability factor there. But I think what people forget is that not all platforms are created equal. And that goes for anything, Twitter, YouTube, they're all different. And Snapchat was never trying to be a Facebook or an Instagram. It just got lumped in there because people didn't know where else to put it. And it's really more about communication. It's more of a visual messaging app. So, you know, it's funny because people say, gosh, I can't believe they made this algorithm change and now they took away my feed. Well, remember, Snapchat was never about a feed of like scrolling through stuff. It was about intention. It was about, I want to go see Bill's story and see what's happening. I'm going to go and physically tap on his story and watch it. I'm not going to just open up my app and have it, you know, turn on automatically, So it's just funny to me that, you know, and and yes, as a user, I don't love the new interface personally. I mean, I'm not saying that I love it, but I I do remember what their original goal is. And I applaud them for, you know, kind of bucking the trend and saying, this is what our values are. This is what our goal is. And that's why we're making this change. Because a lot of companies don't do that. And they're not looking so good right now. I mean, they've had a lot of challenges. So I got to give my, you know to tip my hat to them for at least sticking with that.
0: I tried to explain it this way to a lot of people now my age, right? I'm a, I'm going to proudly say late boomer. Cause that means I'm not an early boomer, mm-hmm. <laughs> but as a late boomer and talking to people my age about Snapchat, they would just, you know, roll their eyes. You know, you know, the-
1: mm-hmm.
0: I totally get nice. that all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, but I'm going to tell you this about Snapchat. It's the closest thing online anywhere to a real conversation between two people. Because mm-hmm. I challenge them, I say, we've been talking here for twenty minutes. What did I say fifteen minutes ago? They don't know. Right. And, you know, because they all they like to freak out because it disappears, it goes away. And and I said, just like a real conversation, things disappear and go away. We don't, you know, memorialize everything we say all the time. I think texting kind of conditioned us to be that way, especially in the real estate industry, right? Because you could go back and check out the history. But you're right. It's, it, it's it's a conversation tool, but just done visually, right?
1: Exactly. And something I always, you know, people ask, well, how do I grow? How do I grow? And I'm like, no, no you're missing the point. Yeah. If I was in front of 150 people every single day, I mean, 150 is not that many, right? right. But they were listening and talking and having conversations and you're having meetings with those people every day. I mean, imagine what you could do with those 150 people versus 15,000 people that you drive by on the freeway, right? It's just to me, it's like I'd rather have, and we talk about real estate, you talk about that sphere, your best clients, your repeat, they send you repeat and referral business. It's the concept of that within Snapchat. And let me tell you, it is moving that way to every platform. It's. I'm so excited that things are going to be less hackable, less growth oriented, and more real. Like, let's have a real conversation.
0: I saw you speak in January at the Inman Connect event. You were on the Tech Connect stage, if I remember right, Agent Connect or Tech Connect, uh, talking about uh, social and, and a lot of the things you talk about. You killed it on stage. Tons of great comments. Brad Inman was uh, was made aware of it, and he's talking about you. I just, well, first of all, congratulations on such a great presentation. It's going to, you'll be doing a lot more things with them. Um, You're also a contributor with Inman. Talk about how important, you know, that whole Inman community has been for you.
1: Oh, yes. I mean, how many, I can't even say how many great things about the Inman community and Brad Inman. I have been a fangirl of his from afar that he didn't even know about. But yes, Inman is so great for a variety of reasons. One, It's a resource. They're a thought leader, which all of us want to become in our own brand. So they're such an iconic brand in our industry. They're cutting edge. They're on top of everything. And I love that they bring in new blood. It's not the same conference every year. In fact, they do two conferences a year, and it's different every single time, even if you're going from the New York conference to the San Francisco conference. It's very different. And the networking is beyond phenomenal. And I think every real estate tech company ever <laughs> started there. I mean, didn't Zillow start there in their startup alley?
0: Yeah, they were there. Um, Happy grasshopper. They really, I'm thinking of the people yes. in startup alley. Yeah, it's very... Yeah,
1: they they really launched jobs and careers by by bringing people together that, um, you know, hey, I've got a great product. And then there are the right people in the room that are looking. And now we've, you know, got exposure and then we explode. So it's really, it's a phenomenal conference. I'm not just saying that because I because I speak there and write for them, but um, it's one of my favorite things to do every year. I'd never gone to the New York version of it. This was my first time, which was so fun and very different from the San Francisco version. And I'm super excited to be going this summer to the San Francisco um, Inman Connect as well. But um, I mean, you've had the experience with them, I'm sure that I have where everybody is just passionate and excited. And the the buzz at the event, even especially in the expo hall is is just really bar none.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's a powerful place to to make really wonderful connections, relationships that for me have lasted since I mean, I think my first event was in 2010. And uh, there are still people t- to this day that I'm mm-hmm. very close friends yes. with that I met at Iman. So I love it. Yes, I know you and Jason are cooking something up.
1: Let's we are. Don't yeah. Tell me,
0: tell me what you're doing there. And this is Jason yeah. Frazier. We should introduce Jason so people remember.
1: Yes. Jason Frazier, AKA the real estate CIO. Um, we have been cooking up a little secret project for a while. We've been teasing it out a little bit, but, um, you know, Jason and I uh, are really passionate about education. And we get asked all the time, where can I find more of your content? How do you do this? And they thought, well, why don't we take everything that we're already creating content on YouTube and Facebook Live and Snapchat and Instagram stories and put it in a place where people can access it. So we're going to be launching um, some really out of the box, unique training style of programs that are going to be—I uh, think what makes us different is a few things. One, it's—it's it's going to be in a format that everybody can learn from. Whether you like to learn visually, you like to hear it, or you like to read it, right? So there's going to be—it's going to hit everyone, and it's also going to be not just one thing. It's not going to be basic, or it's not going to be advanced. It's literally going to run the gamut. And I'm the kind of person my brain doesn't. Process like everyone else. I really need to know, break this down for me in a step by step process. I want pictures, I want descriptions, I want to know all the details. Now, some people don't, they just want the video with the overview. Well, that's great, they can do that. But if somebody wants just a high level overview or somebody wants to really drill down into it, we've got it all. And we're going to cover a variety of topics from uh, chat bots and how to use those and in, in your messenger messenger for your Facebook page uh, to Snapchat, to Instagram, basically anything you can think of uh, that would fall under digital marketing, branding, paid social ads, and even customer experience, consumer experience and what that looks like in a 2018 digital world.
0: Well, that'll be fun to watch for. I can't wait. Um, I've I've had you more than the half hour I asked of you. So I'm going to ask you the same question I've asked everybody on the podcast. You probably know it's coming. Give me that one piece of advice you'd give a new agent just getting started in the business.
1: Oh gosh. Distilling that down into one piece. Um, Hmm. I would say for me, I think personal branding is, is first and foremost. I think once you know, what you are passionate about, and kind of what I call your core message, your unique value proposition, whatever it may be. And it's got to be something legit. It can't be like I give excellent service, right? So one of the things you hear me say over and over again in my show is that I provide marketing tips, tools, and strategies that help people grow their business and make more money doing what they love. I think everybody has to have their own tagline and not just have a tagline, but believe it and share it. And live it every single day because that becomes your personal brand. And so whatever you decide to do, whether it's online lead gen, social media, traditional marketing, door knocking, postcards, if you are clear on that brand and you are communicating that, then everybody else will be lining up to, you know, that you're going to attract the right kind of person and they're going to know what you're all about. So that's probably one of the harder things to do as a new agent, but I think if you can nail that. Everything else gets really easy.
0: So I actually understood the Chels Chat intro for the first time. That was awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to hear the story about why it's so quick? Okay. So the intro that that you're talking about is back in the old days of Snapchat, you had 10 seconds. And I had this intro because, you know, I'm thinking broadcaster and and that was what I knew at the time. And so I thought I'll have an intro. And I had to start saying it really quickly. And then people kept commenting, oh, my gosh, you talk really quickly. Are you like one of those auctioneers? And it became kind of a funny thing. And then I started doing it faster and faster and faster, really because I was just trying to get through it and some of it for comedic effect. And people would message me and say, I have no idea what you're saying at all. And it would be like, you know, the laughing emojis and all of that. And then it became a weird contest around the world where people from all over the world would try to repeat what I was saying and send me those videos. Wow! And so it's kind of just become a brand of its own. I've tried to stop it. And it's just I feel like it just took on a life of its own. Um, But yes, so that I do have an intro that I say repeatedly. And let me tell you, people remember parts of it, they remember brand built do more of what you love. And I'm excited that they remember that part, because that is really what I want people to do is to be empowered with tips, tools, and strategies that can really help save them time and money and then do more of whatever it is they love. And so people do remember it. And as silly as it is, like like jingles on you know a radio ad, you remember those things.
0: Yeah. Now, is it uh, too awkward for you to just kind of let the audience hear exactly what it sounds like?
1: <laughs> Let me see if I can remember it. I think it goes something like, what's up, everyone? It's Chelsea Chat Snapshow Real Estate Marketing Snappily Ever After, where I share marketing tips, tools, and strategies with you that will help you grow your business and make more money doing what you love, but a lot faster.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Um, Chelsea, if someone wants to reach out to you, get in touch with you, or pick up a copy of Talking in Pictures, what are some of the places they can do all that?
1: They can definitely find me everywhere on social media with my first and last name. So it's chelsea.pites. There's a dot usually between my first and last name. And it's P-E-I-T-Z. It's kind of an unusual last name. But chelsea.pites are my handles on all my social media platforms. They can actually go to talkinginpicturesbook.com, talkinginpicturesbook.com to find out more information. You can also find me through there. Um, and yeah, I'm on all social platforms. I'd love to connect with everyone.
0: Chelsea, thank you so much for your time and your stories. Amazing. It's exactly what I thought it would be, except I might use the none thing a little bit when I'm promoting this post. I hope that's okay.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> thanks, for all, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you.